Hello readers and welcome back to Reading My Black. I actually have a confession to make. So I've been recording um, for the past couple of months and I just haven't been able to uh, put some of these interviews out that I did earlier um, in the summer. Um, I had a chance to sit down with um, uh, array of different people while I was in Detroit for the NAACP National Convention and I had a chance to sit down with my friend Mr. David Johns, um, who had a wonderful conversation with that weekend. Um, he has been in my ear asking me, Jason, when are you going to drop this interview? And I just haven't had a chance to really get down to it. So I'm going to be doing a small sub-series. Um, it was meant, these interviews were meant to be a small sub-series, um, just that were a look into um, the vast array of different things that the NAACP is doing. Um, Tiffany Lofton, the Youth and College Director of the NAACP, gave me the permission um, to use their space to be able to record these interviews. Um, you guys will hear a lot of these different interviews, and this one is the first. Um, I really do love David, the work that he's doing with the National Black Justice Coalition, the country's only um, national black LGBTQ organization is the first of its kind. Um, David is absolutely amazing and this conversation is absolutely amazing so I hope that you guys enjoyed it as much as I enjoyed it. Okay and welcome back to Reading My Black Podcast. This is Jason and as you know I'm at the NAACP 110th annual convention and I'm with um, a gentleman that I know a little personally and uh, he actually just got off the, off the stage. Uh, Shaniqua Davis and Victoria Kirby uh, York were just talking about him and um, I'm glad I can finally get him at the table. I've been trying to get you actually on the podcast for a while but we can't ever cross paths and you are the busiest man in America. Everything in his time. <laughs> Everything <laughs> in his time. Everything works out for a reason. Mr. Oh, David man. Johns. Yes, um, so tell him a little bit about yourself, organization you work for and everything yeah. and just what you're what you're doing right now appreciate that uh david johns is the name i have the pleasure of quarterbacking the team at the national black justice coalition mm. uh, nbjc for those who don't know uh is the nation's only civil rights organization that is intentionally and unapologetically at the intersections of racial equity and lgbtq i use the term same gender loving because why does a gay political identifier mm. um, equality um, a lot of our work um, looks like showing up in black spaces, working mm. with legacy civil rights organizations like the NAACP. Later this week, we'll be with uh, National Herbaling in Indianapolis. Uh, we do a lot of work with Reverend Sharpton and Nan. Uh, we also work in and with faith communities as well as HBCUs, the places that black people show up in, mm. um, particularly because that's where black LGBTQ SGL people live, mm. um, outside of the ways in which these um, institutions shape uh, the culture and really inform our community. Mm. Um, and so we try and remind people that as long as there have been black people, there have been, uh, queer people. There have been black queer people, queer people uh, and I even, I pause now thinking about the importance of terms and acknowledging mm. that. I'm learning new ones. I've learned new ones this weekend and I'm like, I didn't know about SGL. I've always said plus. So the plus is important because yeah. things are always created, but yeah, same gender loving was a term created by, is a term created by Cleo Monago, mm. uh, created it um, during the Black Power Movement uh, to center and celebrate our Africanness as well mm. as our same gender lovingness. Mm. Um, it is a term that I was introduced to later, um, but again, appreciating how Divine Adventure works. Um, Cleo is actually from Inglewood, California, okay. uh, which is where I'm from. 
um, and runs an organization called Black Men's Exchange. Mm. Um, and so a lot of what we do is really just show up in community, um, highlight the often uh, unmet and overlooked needs of black um, LGBTQ SGO plus people um, and really try and stand in the gap so that we can all get free. Okay, yeah. I mean, and just for the listeners, me and David, as I mentioned, have known each other now for what, about a year? Uh, what Time runs quickly. It is, it's when relative. Sarah Lynn uh, was last year. Because okay. we just had the end of, like, it was the anniversary of her arrest this past March. That's right, it's been a year. Yeah, 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 so it's yeah, been a yeah, year. A um, so for those who don't know, um, I was working Mobile County NAACP as the Press and Publicity Chair and the Young Adults Co-Chair. And um, Shakisha Clemens um, happened in my city, um, in Sarah Land, which is right around the corner from where I grew up in Eight Mile, Alabama. Um, Shakisha Clemens is not just any random person to me. She is actually a young woman. We went to the same church growing up. We were both in the same after school care growing up. Um, and my ex-girlfriend woke me up <laughs> out of so my sleep on Sunday to tell me, to show me this video. And I activated immediately and we went to that NAACP meeting the same day that she bailed herself out of the, that she was bailed out of jail. And she came to the meeting asking for help. And I had tears in my eyes saying, whatever I can do in this, in this unit, um, allow me to have agency to do that. And um, the president thankfully gave me that agency to do that. And at that same time, Anthony Wall had happened in Warsaw, North Carolina. And on my way to um, the state of Georgia to protest at Waffle House headquarters is where I met David Johns. And I, it, the one thing that I say is that I've learned, that I'm learning as a cis hetero black man, is that I'm learning to activate my, my male privilege in this community and weaponize it to assist black women and black same gender loving people. Um, because when I had no idea that Anthony Wall had even happened, so it checked my privilege and even Shakisha's as well. Like, yo, this is not just an issue because we were begging black organizations in the city of Mobile to help us and we could get no help. And it was, you know, cause they didn't want to touch the issues. They didn't want to touch the issue. We had black male organizations that were like, we're not fooling with this before respectability politics issues. And Anthony was dealing with the same thing because he was a black queer man. And to see, I didn't even know that the National Black Justice Coalition existed. Yep. And so to see that, I was like, this introduces me into a different world yep. of social justice that I had no that I had no idea that had a function. And like, we've been friends ever since. I, I call David the other gay brother <laughs> that I have because obviously, shout out to Patrick. Um, shout out to Patrick, the genius that is. The genius that is, I can't wait till Noah's art comes back. Um, <laughs> Um, he's been whispering about matters. it. I'm, yeah. I'm so glad that it's out there. I'm there's so that, but there's also, you know, people um, think that th there are two things that are happening. One, there there is a visceral response that people mm -hmm. are having to the uh, way that Pose and Star mm -hmm. and My House and mm -hmm. so many other shows centering and celebrating mm -hmm. uh, black and brown queer people, black mm -hmm. and, and Latinx queer people. Exactly. And for a lot of people, it feels very new, but people forget that. And again, right, like there have been pioneers, including your brother, mm -hmm. who created Noah's Ark to tell the stories of who black the, people yeah. who otherwise didn't exist. A lot of people just think that this stuff is brand new. And people think it's that nice Jesse Smollett. Yeah, people think that Jesse Smollett was just on, you know, 
Empire and for, not the skinny and not the skinny right. and I was in I think I was in middle school when the skinny came out yeah. no I was in middle school when punks came out and I, that was my brother's first film and he wouldn't let me watch it, it, it understandably I was, so <laughs> um, and then I finally saw it and I was like why did you not let me watch it? this was great uh, and then I remember when the skinny came out yeah. um, and just I, I never get a chance to talk about how much I love Patrick and I appreciate Patrick because I get so many um, black gay men who message me like just to tell me tell your brother I said thank you yeah, like yeah. this is how I was able to have this conversation with my father with my mother with my grandmother um, I was having a conversation with George Johnson not too long ago mm -hmm. in New York because mm -hmm. um, he announced his new book that was coming out mm -hmm. and I told him mm -hmm. I'm like look man I have a platform for black authors to talk about their work as soon as you get an extra copy send it to me yep. um, because I didn't want to just create Reading While Black as a space to celebrate black authorship. I wanted to create a space that all black authors can be celebrated, especially black queer people in the black queer and same gender loving experience. Because like you said, we can't get free unless we all get free and we all have to be able to tell our stories. Yeah, that and there, I mean, there is just, there's so much beauty and joy and pain and all of the things that we are moved by um, primarily produced from black people. Mm -hmm exist in queer forms yeah like and there's no reason why we shouldn't embrace um other stories in the same way we do those that are traditionally celebrated in hollywood and elsewhere yeah like uh, one of my favorite books this year has been michael arkinaw's i can't date jesus michael is one of the funniest people i've ever met in my life i can you please I've tell michael, michael i've been wanting to in interview school. him for so long uh, michael as you talk about michael is booked and busy <laughs> no um, he is super booked but and the busy. thing i appreciated about uh, appreciate about michael um shout out to him shout out to darnell shout out to Brittany, and so many others who've written phenomenal books this year uh, but Michael has found a way to talk about our experience and be honest about how mm. difficult it can be but it not be uh, wrapped up in uh, um, so much pain right. right too often when it's centered around trauma yeah so much and not again not to say that our lived experience isn't we are the descendants of enslaved Africans. Africans we still deal with toxic stress and trauma on a daily basis that would break the average white adult and never get credit or support for it. So I, I'm not saying this to say that like, that is not a part of our struggle and our story, mm -hmm. but there's there are also other things to be considered. And Michael has found a way to leverage his brilliance mm. and his humor mm. to spoon feed people uh, parts of our experiences in ways that they otherwise might not be prepared to digest. That's awesome. And so, you know, obviously you, this is your second convention? Or third? No, uh, NAACP generally. This I, I have lost count at this point. Yeah, because the first time, what was really funny was last year at the LGBTQ workshop. I walked inside and I had no idea that you were there. And like you walked in and like we locked eyes and we was like, oh, my people are here. Yeah, like, yeah. And it was right about last year in San Antonio yeah, when yes. we were in the basement. In yeah, the we were in the basement the in the back corner. Yeah, um, yeah. And y'all called it out. And yeah. to their credit they activated off of that mm -hmm. and they and they changed the conversation around that mm -hmm. i credit derek derek being a, a black man from mississippi i know he claims detroit but because i'm from hattiesburg i claim i claim derek as being from mississippi i'm very particular about my region five folk and um just to see NAACP has now had two of the youngest presidents back-to-back -back with Ben Jealous and now Derek Johnson. And Derek has done such a good job of walking like he's talking. Yeah. And, you know, he takes the criticism and he transforms it. He, they understood that, you know, me being in the Next Gen program, um, you know, there's 150 
Um, there were 150 black men and women here, uh, same gender loving people here as well. And we were able to, they are training us and giving us tools to go back to our local units and, and activate these people and to be able to have conversations. You guys were just, you were just having a conversation with Tiffany um, on stage. And, you know, we were having a conversation around, you know, how do we go back to these spaces? You know, nationally, we have an organization that is, you know, supporting LGBT, LGBTQ SGL <laughs> um, issues. But when you go back to these local units, you know this, there are vestiges of homophobia within these units. And we're trying to call these things out. Mm -hmm. um, and I was I said this because she said somebody asked her a question. It was me who asked her that question because how can I do this? Because if you want me to work, oh, that with, makes sense. Tiffany, the question Tiffany asked. <laughs> yeah, because I was in the did. stage. I was like, it was me. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, but what was funny because people always sorry for those who are listening. The question yeah. that we're talking about, about is I asked Tiffany, uh, what more could and should black men, both cis, uh, trans, uh, heterosexual, I'm doing it with air quotes, mm -hmm. um, and not do. Um, and she said that yesterday, without naming you, that you asked her the same question. Mm -hmm. And because the one thing is, is like, we are not just dealing with a, with a generational gap, we're dealing with homophobia, because that's what it is. Homophobia is not just one generation, it's, it's, it is a learned behavior that's yeah. being passed homophobia, down. transphobia, transmisogynoir, more specifically. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I can't, Argue. I'm not about to argue with you about increasing our membership if I can't get you on board with protecting black trans black trans women. Yeah, because that's women. the way to increase the membership. Exactly. Yeah. And how can we not make? How can you not want your organization to be inviting to these people at the local level when they're the ones that are willing to lay down their lives for you? Are who are? Even yes. Without the affiliation, with, are covering. Yeah. And knowing that, like I said, the most amazing thing and the appreciation that I have. Uh, for people in that black queer space is that in the face of hate from people who look like you, you're still willing to give your life. And that made me question everything that I had that's ever the done. the power of love. And, and, and that is, and that's exactly what it is. Um, we've been spoon fed this, you know, white supremacist version of what Christianity is. And we talked about this with Shaniqua and Victoria. And it has made us literally, because we've bought so much into white supremacy that has made us literally hate each other um, because of this idea that I can't, I can't love my brother or I can't love my sister just because of something of, a, of what their identity is or what their sexuality is, which I think is completely bogus. Yeah, but it's more nuanced than that, right? So let me, let, let, let yes, please. a couple of things. So one, um, I love and respect and appreciate um, Derek Johnson as a brother, as a colleague uh, and as a leader. Um, this is my second year at the convention in this capacity, um, and I, it's been funny, right? Before I led the National Black Justice Coalition, I was in the White House serving still my president, Barack Hussein Obama, <laughs> still my president. leading an initiative <laughs> on educational excellence for African Americans. And, and in a lot of ways, um, people were introduced to me in that space. I've become Mr. Education. Mm -hmm. I, teach um, the babies. I'm Mr. Right, teach the babies a way to remind people that our children are seldom given the protection and covering that white kids take for granted. Mm -hmm. um, and so there has been this reintroduction of myself in black spaces where, I, where, where now um, there's a new acknowledgement of another part of my identity, right? And a part of my identity that has always been present, but because we in black spaces without provocation, don't think about intersectional experiences, people mm -hmm. who have disabilities, hidden invisible, people mm -hmm. uh, who are not native, people 
um, um, uh, uh, for whom this this uh, English is not their first this language, language, right? Like all of these things matter and they show up in the diversity of our community, mm -hmm. uh, but we often don't talk about that, right? Mm -hmm. And then what happens is white supremacy works to project uh, expected ways of showing up and then we respond in two in, in two ways. One is a lot of what I understand um, undergirds the uh, reticence that people have to want to have conversations about or make space for uh, black queer people. Mm -hmm. It's rooted in fear, mm. right? Um, this is in particular why uh, we do so much work with parents to help them identify, uh, work through, and then alleviate their anxieties about their babies being black and something and else that in America can offer them up for additional forms of hurt, harm, and trauma, right? Mm -hmm. um, uh, and there are parts of this that are very real and true. Uh, we are sitting in Detroit where um, uh, two black gay men and a black trans woman have been murdered recently. Um, this is uh, July. There have been, that I know of, 12 black trans women murdered to date. Mm. Six of them were murdered in June, which is Pride Month, right? Mm. The contradiction of white and other folks taking up space publicly to celebrate being gay while black folks are dying being often in silence saying is, is a huge contradiction mm -hmm. that we need to re wrestle with, especially those of us who do this kind of liberation work, work right? Mm -hmm. um, and so some of it is a very real response to what it means to bear children in spaces where they're not safe. Mm. And so uh, I, wanna, I wanna lift that up. The second part of this is um, much more difficult to um, identify and then disentangle because of how it is that we are trained to have conversations and think about other people. Mm -hmm. So I, did the, I had a conversation recently with um, three generations of black women um, and one of them uh, kept insisting that uh, words and definitions matter um, but that we should also let people like be free to be who they are. Mm -hmm. And I, I said to her, um, there's not only a contradiction in what you are espousing to believe with regard to like needing to define things in these clear and often binaristic and constricting terms, but then wanting people to just live their life. life. And, 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 and what she was failing to acknowledge and appreciate is that when you are uh, cisgender, which means, right, that you have the privilege of identifying with the sex mm. that you were assigned at birth because birth is, birth is not natural. It is a decision that a doctor makes. Um, when you have the privilege of being cis and heterosexual, you don't think about the rights and privileges that you take for granted. Yes. And we live at a point in time now where black people and this, I go back to the pride thing, right? Like white people get to be white and then be celebrated for it. White gay people get to be gay and be celebrated for it. They get to come out, it, you know, it might be an awkward conversation with their family at some point or at least in the way that they portray it in, in Hollywood. Mm -hmm. They then move to neighborhoods, Hollywood, California, Chelsea, New York, Boys Town, Chicago, right? Places where they have community centers and networks and recreation leagues. And they get to again, draw strength from that mm -hmm. part of their identity. Black. LGBTQ SGL people mm -hmm. live with other black people. Mm -hmm. We are disproportionately concentrated in the South, mm -hmm. in states like Alabama or Georgia, mm -hmm. Florida. Uh, Florida, states where it is legal to discriminate against someone based on actual or perceived sexual identity, gender orientation, and gender expression. Most people don't even think about gender orientation, gender expression, or the, the relationship between those two things. Mm -hmm. Most people just think about sex, mm -hmm. right? And so the thing that we have to do more as black people is ask questions, right? Mm -hmm. Like, why is it that these terms exist? 
and how are systems of oppression propped up by them? The, exactly. the parallel that I offered for um, the women on, on uh, the show Chris, Ep Chris Epps Presents and, and the Women of Decades is that people often don't just ask questions. Why is there one way to refer to a grown boy? Mm. And the term is mister. But there are three ways to refer to a grown girl. She can be Miss M-I-S-S, -S, she can be Miss M-S, or she can be Mrs. Mrs. M-R-S. In theory, it, it should be parallel, right? If things mm. are equitable and we're right. all people, right? Like when you're no longer a boy, you're a man. When you're no longer a girl, yeah. you are now all of these things that have been constructed by men mm. because women in society are supposed to be approached mm. and respected and have privileges based on their relationship with, with men. men. Mm. And so not only is it a subjugation of an, an oppression of women by these categories, right? Mm -hmm. Like MRS, you get the, the most privileges, again, those because designated you're because you're married to a man. Mm -hmm. And again, embedded in all of this is hetero, heteronormativity and, mm -hmm. and, 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 patriarchy. and patriarchy. We don't even ask the question, and particularly because people benefit from it. Exactly. Right? White women in particular, mm -hmm. and then others. And so, so much of this for us is showing up in spaces strategically. This is where I appreciate again, Derek, and pushing and shifting. When I did the work in the White House, it was about talking about doing whatever we needed to do so that our babies who never didn't ask to be born could be free, who could, they could show up in schools, they could feel safe enough to learn and take the kind of risks that we asked them to take in that space. Mm -hmm. Derek and I, when I uh, was in the White House, I hosted a summit at Jackson State and he literally drove me from his office, the office that Megger Evers occupied mm -hmm. through Money, Mississippi, where mm -hmm. they drug Emma Till's body down the street Three. to an NAACP meeting. Mm. where literally people were having conversations about a prison being built in the community, there not being portable water, and folks not having access to educational opportunities. Mm. All this stuff is connected. Mm -hmm. Black trans women being murdered, um, black gay men being murdered. Talk about what happened at Ed Buck's home, a white man in yes. Hollywood, California, yes, please, walking around now free mm -hmm. as, a, 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 as the day is long. And two black gay men have died in his household in the last year. I can't imagine somebody breaking a bone in my right. house, let alone somebody dying. Right, and like, I'm, and I'm not again, in jail. White privilege, right? But 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 our bodies are, are otherwise disposal. That is very much connected to our children, who mm -hmm. are the majority of children in K twelve public schools. The majority of kids now are what we continue to wrongly refer to as racial and ethnic minority mm -hmm. students. But they still go to schools and are forced to be in spaces where we inflict trauma upon them mm -hmm. because we don't want to have conversations about racism. Mm -hmm. We don't want to have conversations about white supremacy and anti-blackness. We don't want to have conversations about what black feminists refer to as mm -hmm. the matrix of domination, mm -hmm. the thing that allows all of this stuff to continue to work and work in ways that become invisible because we don't ask questions. And these institutions are developed, uh, prison industrial complex, Flex. public schools and the like to, to make this all work. Mm -hmm. I'm I'm so glad you broke that down because I've been I've been trying to articulate that in a way that people can understand for like quite some time um, because the one thing that I've been charged with is that I charge myself with is what you mentioned is like we got to talk to black men about this stuff um, you know we have to Tiffany spoke about this you have to tell your homie like yo that's not cool um, and it's been something that I've really been you know focusing on um, the first thing I started with was you know, protecting black women, I got a lot, I caught a lot of flack for Shakisha Clemens from black professionals who knew me, you know, being my mentor. And they were like, you don't need to support this because this girl has a criminal record. And I said, so 
you guys have a problem with somebody having a criminal record, so you dehumanize them because of that, because they because they've been placed into a justice system that is already corrupt and against us. That's even too. I, you're too gracious for me because I don't I don't want to talk to a single black person who plays politics of respectability yeah. to suggest that some but, of us are worthy of protection and, and some, some of us, us are, are not. not. And what and what Shakisha's story taught me most importantly is that I will never compromise my people's humanity for respectability politics. Nobody and, should, and anybody who's in a position of leadership should not be allowed to do so. Exactly. You shouldn't even be in leadership. If you're not, if you are in any type of these organizations, whether they be black read letter organizations, whether they be social justice organizations like this, and you're not in the business of protecting all black people, then you, or it should not, or you're not in the, um, or you're not in the best interest of protecting colored people, period, then you don't need no, to. No, I like the way you said it first, black. Well, yep. black. Because um, I was speaking more to brown people as well, because we have such. Yeah, we got to work in coalition, we, but. Uh, but at the same time, uh, yeah. I'm, I'm speaking, we are, spe we are specifically talking about black, black people. But if you're not in the business of protecting black people, then you need to go. Yeah. I was wearing a T-shirt the day before you got here, and it said you can't be pro-black and not stand up for LGBTQ rights, be anti-woman, be anti-people with, with disabilities. Like, that's not pro-blackness. It is a contradiction. Yeah. It's a lie, and at this point in our uh, history, we we deserve better. Yeah, we and we do deserve better. Yeah. And I think we are finally at a place now. I'm thankful for an organization like the NAACP that is understanding this because you don't see a lot of other organizations that are coming out and saying this. I now I know you work with a lot of them, um, so you can probably speak more to it. Um, but I'm happy to see when I come here. This is my second now. This is my second time now at a, at a convention, and I'm seeing. A change, and I'm seeing a shift, and I'm I'm thankful for that. Um, I want more work to be done, um, obviously, but to see a positive direction, and to see that leaders are now coming out of this, that are going to go back to these local organizations and challenge these people, and most importantly, you know, make them understand. Because I always say, black folks don't believe in nuance. It's either black or it's white. Like there's no gray area, and. The, Often because we don't have the luxury of we don't uh, have, existing in that space. Exactly, we don't yeah, have the luxury of existing. In, because when you live in an anti-black society, you don't have time to be gray. You don't. Because you're too focused on trying to survive. <laughs> um, and it's why I... Like, one of the biggest problems I used to have with the NAACP, and I've talked about it much on this episode, is um, I used to have such a problem with old people in this organization because they would take up so much space. Um, I've repeated it so many times, you know, old folk take up space, elders make room. But I forgot that when I came into Mobile County NAACP, when Shakisha Clemens happened, it was an elder who gave me the agency and he said, I don't know anything about, you know, social media. I don't know how to make this organization a 21st century organization. I don't know how to build, like, he's like, I come from union work. All I know is how to flip over, ta flip over tables, tell people F you and walk out. He's like, I don't know how to do this. It's a valuable skill. And it's a, it is a valuable skill. It's one that I picked up from him. Um, but what he did tell me was something that was profound. He's like, but I'm going to give you the space and I'm going to give your people the space in this organization to do that. And because of that, we were able to call Brittany Packnett. We were able to call Tamika Mallory, my son, Bob Bland. We were able to link with you and all of these other organizations. And because of that, Shakisha was sitting on stage at the NAACP convention in, in San Antonio speaking to the babies and telling them her story and how she's still fighting and how she was not a person who was so We're self- still in isolation. Who, still and, she, and she is still in her. isolation and she's yeah. still fighting. Yeah. And there were many mistakes that we made um, during that fight. And there was a lot of things that I wish we could have done better. But the one thing that I love is that Shakisha has taken so much, has 
has taken so much power in 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 her pain and she's transformed it into something that is truly beautiful. Yeah, the worst part about being black in America mm-hmm. is having to be resilient and be strong as a result of this shit. Somebody somebody said something that was really profound the other day and it, um, she, um, they were saying black don't crack on the outside, but on the inside. <laughs> it's a lot because we're dealing with a lot of trauma because we're not talking about it, one. Um, and because we don't talk about it, it festers and it continues. It's, we, we, even though we're now just now calling out mental health in our community, we're still dealing <laughs> with our own with our yeah, own trauma. Because the challenge is that not only are we we still dealing with it, but the thing that I struggle with mightily is um, we talk about it and then what? And I say that not to yeah, it's like work on it after that. Yes, but um, practically, I think sometimes we're confronted with the reality that there's there's sometimes no place for it to go. Right. So I mm-hmm. think about this. The last time I was in Atlanta, Georgia, I was in a restaurant in Atlanta proper, Metro, mm-hmm. and was trolled by a table of people, one of them wearing a Latinos for Trump hat. Mm. And, and a lot of things happen at this moment, right? Like I'm in this place trying to enjoy like fellowship with my friends. I'm paying to Yeah, because you're a patron. To not be bothered. Yeah. There's a hat policy that says that people shouldn't be wearing hats. I wanted it to be enforced. Mm-hmm. And at the end of the day, the thing that paid me most is that when this man and I ended up exchanging words and I I I ran through, you know, what I have to lose and what it would have meant for me to have been arrested on a Friday afternoon in Georgia mm-hmm. when I would have spent the, the, the weekend in jail. And I was so frustrated because there was literally no place for me to go mm-hmm. when I had been wrong mm-hmm. on every level. Mm-hmm. I don't have access to language in the same way mm-hmm. that other people do to respond when they're being racist assholes. Mm-hmm. I know that if I call the police, if they're coming to that venue, they're not coming to, to aid you. me. Yeah. They're coming to surveil mm-hmm. me, right? Like, and so what I grapple with is, an, uh, and we do a lot of work around mental health. We um, are leading a policy work group for uh, an emergency task force that the Congressional Black Caucus recently established to deal with black youth, mental health, and suicide. We spend a lot of time talking about that in this new space of people um, uh, reducing the stigma around mental health for black folks and Mm -hmm. trying to connect us to culturally competent sources of care, which is also difficult because there's just not a lot of doctors who are trained, who are culturally competent, who Mm -hmm. know how to provide meaningful care. And then the last part is that those of us who need help the most, Mm. who, who have the most stressful lives, who are oppressed most often, are the least likely to be able to access care. Exactly. And so the, the, when I play it all the way out, the thing that I struggle with now is where do black people go when there's no place for us to go? Exactly. Mm. Right? This is why faith becomes so important. Mm. Um, it's why we need to not only you know, take it to the altar, but, but, but take it to the doctor the too. Food. But the last part for me, and this is why it's important to sit in spaces like the NAACP, is that like, we have to be in community with each other. Exactly. And, and figure out how it is that we can show up for for each other. I'm still struggling right now with thinking about um, Anthony Wall Mm -hmm. and the moment that I was introduced to him, right? Like, Anthony was choked and pressed up against an off-a-house restaurant window, was slammed on the concrete by a Mm -hmm. police officer nearly twice his size, was placed in the back of a police car with a dog. The history of how people have used dogs to inflict terror on us Mm -hmm. deserves a whole nother discussion. And this is a a, a black boy who was taking a sister to prom, Mm. who worked really hard to be financially independent, to Mm -hmm. get a good job, 
um, in spite of being in places where he was harassed for being both black and gay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And his life has been irreparably changed as a result of this. Couldn't go to work, scared to leave his apartment because he lives in a small town and people know where he yes. lives. Effectively outed in a, in, a, in a world where nobody should be entitled to knowing mm-hmm. who you love and, and who you might go because to bed it's with. It's not, I don't care about what's going on in your bed unless I'm interested and you shouldn't care about what's going on in mine unless you're interested. But we have this perverse fascination with people in particular people from marginalized communities that shows up in this in this way. So the the trauma from Anthony again not not resolved. He's still dealing with the stuff. It is affecting decisions that he makes professionally and otherwise. Mm-hmm. And then I think about Chakisha. Chakisha experienced the beginning stages of rape. rape. And we don't talk about on that on camera. And we don't talk about that very At often. At the hands of two white male police officers who were sworn to protect and serve. Clearly in a ta- not her. In a town where she paid taxes. A citizen. And as, not as only citizen. after she paid for her meal at a, at a restaurant and was then told that she needed to pay extra for a black tax for cutlery that was given to white folks mm-hmm. without question. Exactly. And the thing that um, I struggle with now is Chakisha and I were on a podcast and she said that if she were dead, people would care more about her and what mm. happened to her. And it's settled in my stomach then and it still does now to this moment because she's right. She is. People still go to Waffle House like it's not a damn thing. They yeah. still post about it. Yeah. Like, people one, make- the food is disgusting, Thing. right? Like, yeah. It's not good. It's not. And in spaces where you have access to people who actually can cook, then that's what we should be doing. But at this point, I don't understand why anyone would go to some place that has been consistent and clear in saying, I don't care about black people in their lives. Yeah, but it that is the greatest trick of, uh, of white, white supremacy. supremacy yeah. And, I, and I, I, I really hate that. Um, we called for, you know, in the state of Alabama called for a boycott of NAACP, um, or not a, a call for a boycott of Waffle House and it was like nothing happened. And, and that was such a huge deal because we were the only state to do it. Um, and I'm not criticizing any other state NAACP in doing that because it took us a while to even get that done. And I felt like we, that, where I, when I talk about things where I think, feel like things that we could have done better. Um, and I apologize to Shakisha about that because I felt like we made a mistake um, in that. But what I realized is that we were dealing with people who still ascribe to white supremacy still at yeah. times. And you have to challenge that. And I think that's why I say it's important for people like us to be in these rooms because we have to have community with these people and we have to talk to them. And we have, I'm, it's not pleading humanity, but it's because we know, I know that you lack the range and it's okay that you lack the range because I'm here to help you. Yeah, that's why teamwork is important because I'm no longer there. I, I want you to move the hell out of the way. Yeah. In a world where Nigel Shelby should be living. Nigel Shelby should be be at this conference. Yes. I should have have been sitting next to Nigel watching those babies perform at AXO because he loved music. He liked to sing. He liked to rap. Yes. And he was super creative. Mm -hmm. Nigel died by by suicide because too many adults are taking up spaces Mm -hmm. that young people have to move through Mm -hmm. and they're not doing the work in order to be there. And Nigel happened three hours away from where I was. And... What really broke my heart, I think, most about it was the police officer, you know, that proudly gets on, you know, a Facebook platform, a platform, you know, the cesspool that is Facebook, um, and you know, basically mocks him, a child, um, and it just reminded me. I'm like, 
these people really don't give a damn about us and they really still look at us as property. Right, which is why it insists me so much when black people do it to our yeah. babies, right? Like I, I, I get it when I think about how transatlantic enslavement worked, mm. right? The fact that they did exactly are brown kids sitting in cages now that um, few people think about is no mm -hmm. different than um, child protective services mm. running up in public housing, stripping black babies from their mother's arms. Like all of this stuff is connected. And I get it when I think about how um, saying things like that is the equivalent of the current occupant of the Oval Office uh, sending dog whistles to white supremacists, literal dog, dog signals whistles. to white supremacists. Mm -hmm. Like that stuff makes sense to me. What, what doesn't compute is when people can't see Trayvon Martin and Nigel Shelby as brothers. Yes. Right? And that's, when, and that's the disconnect. we don't think about right. like all of our babies being all of our babies. Yeah, like we should look at Nigel Shelby the same way that we look at Tamir Rice. Yes, all of that. If only for the reason that again, like this idea that like people get so fascinated by sexual identity, gender expression and gender orientation, not enough to actually want to do the work to learn about it mm. and become competent, um, but enough to be salacious, right? Mm. Um, and to be shady, mm -hmm. right? Like, because people will, you follow the lingo, will um, adopt parts of the culture. Yeah, uh, appropriate will, the culture. Will appropriate and celebrate when it's convenient for them. They love to say T, they love to say sis, all, and all of these other it. things. Yeah. All of it, and benefit from everything that has been generated by mm -hmm. the community, right? Uh, but, but then won't afford the same protection to kids. Not, on, not only that, but George, brought up something really great we were i was i mentioned it to shaniqua shaniqua had seen the episode victoria hadn't heard about the grapevine and um george was on there when they were talking about abortion mm. and uh george had mentioned something he was like all of you pro-lifers that are at this table would be all for abortion if you knew that your child was going to be other than cis hetero um because you wouldn't bring that child into, into the world. world yeah and but oh you'll laugh and you'll kiki and you'll you'll drink with me and you'll have you'll you'll say my lingo and all and all these other things but the moment that your child comes out the thought of your child of your imaginary child coming out as an other disgust you and i'm sitting right in front of you but yet you're talking about being pro-life yeah people can't make that connection in the same way that i think often about zion Dwayne wade and gabrielle union son, beautiful right beautiful right well, we know and this again is a sad part when i think about our work with this task force and we're doing a lot around um lgbtq students of color in schools primarily because uh, more than 80 percent of kids in high school identifies anything other than strictly heterosexual mm -hmm. that's not to say that they're engaged in same sex or queer relationships but they are saying these boxes that exist to support white supremacy and anti-blackness and heteronormativity and all these things just don't work for them right mm -hmm. but, but but the idea for me is that like we know as a people let me back up the idea the, the fact that we are talking about kids who are figuring out who they are in the world and what they might do with regard to um, intimate romantic relationships is problematic mm -hmm. right mm -hmm. like i just want to state that for the record like the, the fact that they're grown men watching zion speculating what he might do when he is of age and grown enough to do whatever he's going to do with it's his problematic life. problematic in itself. It's just problematic. I just want to make that, make that plain. But beyond that, we know what happens when we support and love our babies. It is why I was so thankful that Gabrielle Union and Dwayne Wade continue to say we're going to love this baby no yeah. matter what. Yeah. Showing up in, at, a, at a fashion show, showing up at a Pride event, just showing up in spaces where yeah. the baby wants to show up because that's what we're supposed yeah. to do. And I think 
being the brother of you know a gay man i think was so transformative because when my brother i've always had the funniest story about how patrick came out to me patrick he invited you in no well it wasn't that he invited me in so my pen pal so patrick's old uh film class uh film classmate had a daughter that was i think a year older than me who's actually um she's queer um which i had no idea when we were kids because we're kids um, and every year, every summer, I'd come there, and we would always. Go. And it really doesn't matter. Yeah, and it really doesn't matter. <laughs> yeah. Um, we would go to we would go to either Knott's Berry Farm or Disneyland when we go. Um, when I go to California, and I saw this picture uh, on his screensaver because I'd always be on his computer, um, and I see the screensaver of him and this guy, and, I'm, and I'd just be like, "Oh, they look like they're really best friends." No, like, that's cool. I got best friends, so yeah. And um, but I was like, maybe she knows who he is because she lives here and she sees Patrick more than I do. So I'd asked her and she was like, oh, that's Patrick's boyfriend. I'm my boyfriend. And she was like, oh, you didn't know. And then her dad gets in the car and, and she's like, Jason didn't know that Patrick was gay. And he was like, what did you just do? <laughs> and so the whole time I'm at the theme park, I'm trying to wrestle with yeah. that. I don't know what that means. Yeah. And. Thankfully, I grew up in a household, even with grandparents that were born in the 1920s. And my brother is the first grandchild. I am the last. He was born in, I won't say. Because uh, yeah, like, he's grown. Because right. he's grown. Right. I, I won't say that. Do that. But um, the one thing that I loved about it is they never said anything negative about him because that was Lucille's son. Mm -hmm. Like, we are Lucille's boys. Mm -hmm. And they understood that when they lost her, my grandmother used to say, when I lost I lost my daughter to gain another child like because they adopted me nine like my mother passed our mother passed when I was nine months old so they adopted me and they took up that mantle when all of my aunts and uncles were like I'll do it I'll do it when Patrick is saying I'll raise I'll raise my brother and they were like child you were in film school let so us do this let us out. do this work we do. Yeah. and then we like black folks have been taking care of each other's babies for years yep. and when I got home we had this conversation and the one thing that I ever realized, I'm like, nothing changed in me knowing this information. You're Absolutely nothing person. changed, and I'm still the same person. And, and he is too. And he is too, and we don't hate each other. And the one thing that I've always, people always ask me, even in high school, I would get questions like, why do you, like, why are you friends with this person? Like, they're gay. And I'm like, bro, they're just people. I'm like, and I don't even no, know that. And, and honestly, I've never, and I've never asked them, so it's not my business even to know. Like, I'm hanging out with him because, He's got all the answers to the science questions, and I'm and cheating. And if you ain't cheating, you ain't trying. <laughs> just tell me why not. Yeah, like, like why not? If you can give me a valid reason as to why not I should not be friends with this person, as why I should not speak to this person or even acknowledge this person, I'd gladly not do it. But if you can't give me a valid reason other than you just can't, you're too uncomfortable with their sexuality, or I can't. Yeah, which is usually about them being uncomfortable with, with their, their own, own sexuality. And, yeah. and not coming to grips with their own, which is why we see so much violence against these queer people in the space, um, because a lot of these men are still wrestling with their own sexuality, which we could talk about. Or, or, or not. I don't, I, don't, I don't know. Like, I think specifically when it comes to uh, conversations around uh, black, strictly heterosexual men, mm -hmm. I'm doing it again in air quotes, murdering black trans women, for me, it's, it is not about them wrestling with their um, sexual identity, it is them wrestling with the pejorative stereotypes that people have about how black men are supposed to show up in the world. Mm. Yeah, so 
just tell people where they can find you and um, what we can do, um, what you're doing next in this work. Yeah, uh, you can find me at Mr. David Johns across platforms or the organization NBJC On The Move. Uh, we're also at www.nbjc.org. We launched a gender justice toolkit uh, today mm. um, at the uh, fireside chat with Miss Lawrence and Tiffany. Um, to encourage people to have conversations about the fact that black women, Malcolm X said decades ago is not my um, original thought that the most hated and disrespected um, and least supported, I would add, person in America uh, continues to be black women, both mm -hmm. cis and trans, right? If mm -hmm. we say all black women, we have to acknowledge that all means all. Um, and so we are working to amplify conversations about um, gender justice and, mm -hmm. and, and encourage people to do the work of leveling up their vocabulary, but also um, changing the way that they show up and occupy mm -hmm. um, space. We'll be at the um, National Urban League later this week um, doing something similar, really talking about our um, cultural competence work, how it is that we show up with um, and at HBCUs, um, as well as with uh, our K-12 institutions to better protect mm -hmm. our babies, right? Mm -hmm. um, uh, uh, Asa Hillier said a long time ago that um, he's never met a black child in particular, uh, or never met a child in particular, a black child who is not a genius, and mm -hmm. there's no secret to how we support them. Mm -hmm. We first acknowledge them as human, and then we second support them with love. Mm -hmm. And so we're really just trying to do work to make sure that more black people show up in love. Mm, absolutely. Um, also, I've been asking a couple of uh, guests this question. I asked um, uh, Shaniqua and Victoria, what books are you reading right now? Because you know I'm getting ready to... Uh, People, yeah, if you don't I'm, know. I appreciate that. Yeah, yeah I'm uh, reading Bettina Love's book. Um, I don't want to blank on the name of it, but she's talking about abolition education mm -hmm. um, and how it is that we need to shift uh, the way that we engage in uh, formally educating uh, black children. Mm -hmm. I am reading uh, Darnell Moore's book. I am rereading Michael Arsenault's book. Um, and I just picked up uh, Brittany Cooper's book as well. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm getting ready to select the books uh, this year, and I'm currently reading Policing the Black Man. Um, uh, I'm reading, uh, I'm trying to think, There Will Be No Miracles, which is... I don't know that one. Oh, listen, uh, <laughs> a phenomenal book. Um, there Will Be No Miracles is by Casey Gerald. Um, Locking Up Our Own, um, which is on crime, uh, by James Foreman Jr. Um, and of... I want to say uh, Stacey Abrams leading from the outside. Oh yeah, Stacey's brilliant. Stacey. Everybody should read. Everybody should also be watching Pose on FX. A absolutely. Uh, Angelica and Ross acted her ass face off. off and channeled all of our ancestors in one of my favorite uh, TV moments ever. Um, Never knew love is the name of the uh, episode, but there's so much good um, content being produced um, mm -hmm. that is very much connected to everything that we discuss. So I hope people take advantage of it. Absolutely. Um, Big Bro, it's been a pleasure. And I'm so glad that I finally got a chance to sit down with Mr. David See, at, at the end of At the conference. end of, of all places. Look, and they're about to come here because they're organizing. So yeah, so we got to go, guys. So we'll be right back in a second, and we'll have more interviews for you at the NAACP convention. Thanks for checking out Reading While Black. All right, ladies and gentlemen, that concludes our interview with Mr. David Johns from the National Black Justice Coalition. Just want to thank all of you guys for being patient with me and tuning in uh, to Reading While Black again. Uh, like I said before, we will be releasing a lot of these archived interviews that I have from the month of July back 
in Detroit, Michigan. Um, we got some couple special guests, uh, some politicians, some campaign managers for some presidential campaigns. Um, and I just can't wait to put this, uh, this content out to you guys. I think these are really great interviews. And I was just like, I felt so bad about not ever getting these out to you guys. But like I said, I got so busy and wrapped up in campaign stuff and you know, starting a new job at Alabama State that I just didn't get a chance to put this stuff out. And uh, I just wanna share it with the world and make sure that you guys get a chance to enjoy this content. Remember to follow us at ReadingWildBLK on Twitter and Instagram. You can always check us out on Facebook as well. I'm going to do a better job of updating the Facebook, I promise. Um, at Reading While Black Podcast on Facebook. And you guys can also make sure that you purchase some merch for the Christmas time. Uh, you can go to the Teespring. Obviously, if you go to our website, readingwhileblackbookclub.com, you can go right there um, and you'll be able to find the merchandise. Um, there is a promo code going on right now, 35% off. If you use the promo code RWBXMAS, that is X-M-A-S, that's for the Christmas times, you can get 35% off your purchase um, at the checkout window. Guys, Thank you guys so much for supporting this podcast. Like I said, and just sticking with me, the next book will be Casey Gerald's. There will be no miracles. Make sure that you pick that up. Um, we will be starting very soon. Um, definitely want to get you guys that book in your hands before the month of December. All right. Um, thank you guys so much for tuning in to Reading While Black. I love you guys and have a great day.